Some of the hardest problems in the world exist far above the planet. Our job, to launch the smartest solutions, to protect our satellites, clean up our clutter, to propel breakthroughs in propulsion, to learn more about our place in the universe, to outpace emerging threats. Every day, the Aerospace Corporation uses the latest technologies to ensure our nation's safety and leadership in space. Welcome to the Space Policy Show. We are here. We're so glad you are. Thank you for joining us. Um, we will be here every Tuesday and Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern. We will be talking about all things space policy. Uh, we wanted to find a fun way to engage everyone in the community while we are all stuck at home. We thought this would be the best way. Um, I'm not gonna take up too much time on this intro because we have had a lot of technical difficulties and I wanna make sure we get to Russ, who is the star of this episode. Uh, just a couple housekeeping details. We would like for you to participate in the chat and the polls. So find the chat box, type in your name, click join chat, and you should uh, be able to vote. And we will talk about those as we move forward. Um, also, if you missed it, if you wanna stay up to date with the latest and greatest news and find out about these events that we're having like this one, or hear about papers and other things, please go to aerospace.org slash policy, sign up, get our newsletter. We promise we won't spam you. Thank you again. And now I'd like to kick it over to Russ to talk about the budget. Very exciting stuff. Over to you, Russ. Thanks, Rebecca, and thanks to everybody. Welcome to the series, and welcome to my house. Uh, we're all doing okay here. I hope all of you are doing okay there, and hopefully doing it at home. My name's Russell Rumbaugh. I'm one of the staff at the Center for Space Policy and Strategy for the Aerospace Corporation, and I'm also a longtime defense budget nerd. Turns out, if you put those two together, you get a space policy seminar on the FY21 defense budget. So thank you for joining me today, and hopefully we'll provide some insights and entertainment for you. This has been a big year in the space budget, probably not surprising since it's been a big year for space and space organization with the Com and the U.S. Space Force. Today we're going to go over first a few big trends, we'll look at a couple of the mission areas, and then we'll take the Q&A with Rebecca hosting us. We can have the first slide, please. We now know what the space budget is. That itself is a pretty big thing. In the past, because of classification, we were all left with uh, only vague estimates about what the components of defense-based budget was. Now, because of the creation of the Space Force, we have an agreed upon way to do it because DOD just tells us. Well, sort of. Let's talk about what it is. This is the Space Force budget. And that's the point. Budgets themselves are just an artifact. They're a fake pursing of what are many people doing many things. Budgets are most meaningful when they're aligned with an organization that has a clear mission. That, of course, has been the whole goal of the Space Force, providing an organization with the budget to achieve national security space. I'd emphasize today, I'm just using official budget documents. I'd like to think I'm bringing some expertise, but I'm not bringing any special numbers. These numbers are what's already out in the public domain in the official budget documents. When I first built the brief, I could at least claim some expertise by going to a number of different budget sources to get the information. But since then, the 
Space Force has released a second report to Congress, this one showing Space Force funding. And they've now put all of this information in one place. So I'm going to provide some commentary and some insights into it. But we now have it all in one place. I'm cheating a little bit on this chart. On the right there, you see the top level number, $15.4 billion for the Space Force. But I'm also including some non-Space Force money, about $600 million for non-Space Force, rdt &E, from SDA, MDA, and DARPA. Additionally, there's some Air Force money, about $100 million in there for supporting SpaceCom and SSDP, the Space Security and Defense Program, which is the joint effort between the NRO and the Air Force to deal with space security. That's because the Air Force provides the service support, not yet to that operational combatant command, not yet the Space Force. The full RDT&E is what has made the ONM visible. As we see in that, not just the bright blue box, but the gray box, we now have a total RDT&E budget, which allows us to see the ONM. In the past, you could the way O&M is displayed in major budget documents, you couldn't actually break that out. Uh, and that was good. That provided the, the way to obscure what the classified spending on RTT&E is. Now, with the sharp RTT&E, we get a much sharper O&M picture as well. Not included in this uh, area chart is the MILPERS funding. MILPERS is about $800 million in FY21, and that's going to grow to about $1.1 billion by FY25. The official explanation in the, in the funding report is a 3% pay raise and it mitigates critical shortfall shortages in space career field. The second big thing that happened in space in the space budget overall is space did very well. If we can now prompt the first poll question, I'll ask you what you think. Space force went the space budget went up to $15.4 billion, a 6.2% increase. That may not seem like much given recent years double digit budget increases. Compared to the other components, it's done very well. Uh, as you can see there, compared to the non-Space Force part of the Air Force, who only saw a 2% increase and the overall defense budget, which only saw a 10th of a percent increase, 6.2% seems quite a bit, especially when we factor in uh, that the budget presumes 2.2% inflation. So that means there's no real growth for either the Defense Department or Air Force, but there is for the Space Force. That's quite the testament that the department really is committed to supporting space more. And now can we move to the next slide? So now that we've covered a little bit of the basic groundwork of what the components of the space budget are, now we're going to look at it as it goes over time. Again, I'd emphasize all of these are uh, uh, unclassified. I boasted earlier about my budget expertise, which has now been overtaken by the funding report, putting it all in one place. Three things I want to point out on this slide. First, the Space Force RDT&E is mostly a flat fit-up, a decrease, in fact, in the last year as the program's complete. As, uh, that's similar for unclassified procurement, too. You can see over time it increases, but some of that is because FAB, the Army's FAB-T and the Navy's MUAS are added in the out years when they're not in the FY21. Moreover, in FY25, National Security Space Launch has $800 million more than it does in FY21. Obviously, Space Launch is incredibly important. It also is 
single changes of how many launches are planned for those years. Without, the, without those unclassified procurement, it was down about 10%. In contrast to those baselines staying about the same, the classified procurement spending really increases dramatically. That 93% increase I'm hiding, I'm displaying on the slide, actually hides a 2,000% increase from $78 million in FY21 to $1.5 billion in FY25. With that, can we go to the third poll, or sorry, this, the third poll question. Still on this chart, I'm not displaying O&M, but O&M is also expected to increase by 25%. The last thing I'd want to flag for you is the non-Space Force funding. I should say non-space force for now, it goes big too. Uh, it's almost a 400% increase, almost totally due to SDA increasing from 300 million to $2 billion in both FY24 and FY25. By then, presumably SDA will be part of space force. We've heard the SDA director say as he expects SDA to join the space force in October of 2022. So somewhere along our chart here and not all the time. With that, can we have the next slide? And we'll start to look at some of the sectors. First, I wanted to drill down on was missile warning and SDA. I've put these on one chart with two different graphs. They're similar, but different missions. The next gen OPIR is uh, the next generation and in, in, in significant increase in cap planned capability. But the current program as past OPIR programs are focused on missile warning. In contrast, SDA's goals are tracking the missiles while they're flying through the air, not just after they've launched, as well as keeping custody on missile, of missile launchers on the ground, all while communicating throughout and maybe the AI system for battle managing all those things. Both programs end up being pretty big spenders. Uh, the next gen OPIR is lots of money today, with a billion and a half in the budget, increases to two and a half billion dollars just next year and stays that way. So $13 billion displayed over the FIDA. SDA is just ramping up. They've got a three times increase over FY20, big jump just to this year. And they're going to have an even bigger jump as they increase by three times to get to FY25. For all the turbulence we saw SDA go through over the last year, this seems, a vote, seems we've heard a vote of confidence from the Department of Defense that SDA is where they want to go. Obviously, within this time period we're looking at, SDA is going to become part, going to become a part of Space Force, and that's going to tell us a lot about how these slightly different interpretations of the mission are handled. Next slide, please, and let's start poll question four. So the most important part here is. Uh, space domain awareness and space control. Uh, for those who aren't aware, uh, the for organization formerly known as AFSpace, or more importantly, now the Space Oper uh, Operations Command, led by uh, General John Shaw, put out a memo insisting on the change from space situational awareness to space domain awareness. That's trying to get a more exquisite understanding of where objects are in space to better allow space as a warfighting domain. As you can see, over from last year, it's... it's uh, ends up being a bit of a decrease, largely because of declined uh, funding for Silent Barker, the partnership between NRO and uh, the Air Force. But they have other things like defensive counter space that bump up, and maybe most interestingly, the Space C2, a new program building on past efforts 
designed to create both operational and tactical control of satellites to enable space as a warfighting domain. With the next slide, we'll go to satellite communications. This has two big programs. Uh, these future programs are disaggregating what the current program AHF does. On the tactical side, you have Protected Tactical Service, or PTS. It's a big program with two and a half, two point four. Last year, as you can see, on track to grow to significant numbers within the FIDUP. On the right side, we have the nuclear, the Evolved Strategic Statcom system. It too, roughly two and a half. It's kind of split between FY20 and FY21, as you see from the gray bars to the blue bars, but it rejoins the planned ramp by the time we get to FY23. And one of the most important things they're doing is these are leading Section 804 programs. Section 804 is the, the uh, legislative section that sought to create new ways of doing procurement and acquisition in DOD. Uh, another way to think of these, SARA programs. SARA was the 2009 legislation intended to drive uh, focus on cost estimating and rigorous screening of programs. After a decade of that, Congress has, has changed direction and emphasized the innovative approach. Both these programs are now starting at Section 804, post-WASARA programs, and they're going to be important programs both for future capability and for how we do acquisition to watch in the coming years. Can we switch to the next slide where we look at launch? And we get to 21. Now, again, most of that because launch comes in discrete packages as we pay for the individual launches. There's lots of moving parts here as the, as the now Space Force moves to reach the, the next generation of competition where they expect to down-select to two, although they're currently still funding three providers in that launch line. And if we move on to the next slide where we look at PNT and weather together, uh, as often happens with space programs, you're seeing the transition from RDT&E funding for GPS-3 to procurement keeping the overall levels about constant. And we've already seen the weather, uh, the WSF follow on peak with most of the development money for SV1 already provided. Which is an exciting part to get to think about how uh, we now get year on year comparisons and can more openly talk about how the uh, defense-based budget works. This is something Secretary Barrett previewed at the Reagan Defense Forum last December, and we've heard both General Hyten and General uh, Raymond emphasize their desire to be more open about what uh, we can see. Still, lots of classified information, of course, hidden in those numbers, very sensitive programs. We also have the continuing two different visions between SDA and the more traditional Space Force programs we have the competing, we have the looking at post-PASARA programs with our satellite communications programs and the ongoing force enhancement programs. I wanna end on this slide just to emphasize that Center for Space Policy and Strategy does more than budgets. Uh, the Space Policy Show hopefully becomes a recurring feature and a great chance to see what we and all of aerospace do.
with that, I'll turn it over to Rebecca and take what questions we can for the remaining time. Thanks, Russ. That was great. So we do have a question from James. What about MBA funding for HBTSS? Has all that transferred to SDA? It did in FY21. That's the same thing what happened in FY20. That program was funded in the SDA budget line or was funded out of an unfunded priority list and Congress put it in the MDA. With the 21, the funding has moved back into the Space Development Agency budget line, although we've already heard some in Congress express some concern about that. Um, both SDA and MDA's principal staff assistant, the person in the Office of the Secretary of Defense they report to, is the Undersecretary for Research and Engineering. He has continued to say he sees, important, sees them both as important programs uh, and both as important programs and just wants to see them consolidated. We'll see how Congress reacts to that over the coming budget year. Great. Thanks, Russ. I just solicited from the audience if there are any other questions. It looks like uh, that's what we have for the moment. Um, let me see. I'll give it just another second or two. We don't have any other questions. We did get the question about whether your slides um, would be available after. And I answered for you and I said that I thought that they would be given our technical issues. Um, Oh, great. We have some more questions. Um, so you can answer the question about the slides in just a moment. It says, do you think the creation of the Space Force and the SDA will boost total DOD space funding? You're already seeing that with the start of that 6.2% increase, right? Now, everybody... big plus up, especially when the rest of the department isn't seeing growth, is this does seem like a signal. We also looked at this trend line across the appropriations title level, growth in many of them, even as we see some of the vestiges of the old of how space was funded with sort of a percent of the budget. We seem to be in a new uh, reflected in our better ability to see these budgets and we see that projected out through the course of the fit. Thanks, Russ. So we have a couple more questions. Um, Scott asked, can we talk about NIP, MIP, and DOD budgets at this level? If yes, are you able to shed any light on what those budgets support in aerospace? So aerospace prides itself on providing support across the space backplane. So we do work for all, uh, all space customers. But no, the NIP, the National Intelligence Program, the NIP, or the MIP, the Military Intelligence Program, both of those are parts of the intelligence budget. They provide level budget numbers for both the NIP and the MIP, but no detail below that. And nothing about the Space Forces has uh, taken any steps to try to uh, provide greater clarity. Those are intended to be classified programs without greater detail. So we have another question from Christina Smith. Out of all these sectors, which one does aerospace fit into? I appreciate everybody asking the aerospace uh, questions. And aerospace yes, will tell you that we are uh, 
for the entire space enterprise. And so you will find parts of aerospace supporting all aspects of it, just as people throughout the space uh, sector support many parts of, uh, of space missions. Great. Uh, we have another question from John. What types of programs do you think are in the classified space budgets? That, of course, would be why they're classified. Uh, and so while I appreciate the question, I'm afraid this isn't the right venue or place to discuss what's in those, in, those, in those dynamics. Nevertheless, it's still a major change just to have that top line funding. Even last year, that wasn't something we'd be able to see. In fact, we wouldn't be able to talk very com uh, completely about the uh, space budget in general because of those classification concerns. So we've taken a big step forward in what in space we can talk about. And now we can look at not just the different components in budget, but what the projections are over the fit up. Great, we have a question from Ben. He just wants to clarify on the launch portfolio. Can you better illuminate for the audience what that entails? Launch portfolio, as with all of these, are covering a large number. Uh, again, $15.4 billion in total does a lot of activity. I'm sure many people on these on this uh, program have a lot of dedication to specific aspects of it. So I don't mean to suggest that I'm being comprehensive about what all of them are. But one of the things the, newly de uh, the new numbers allow us to do is talk a little bit more comprehensively comparing sector to sector. One of the long-running concerns is how to weight correct priority among the different space mission areas are. Uh, that's what I'm trying to do with this, is show how you can look at different ones. But I don't mean to suggest I'm being comprehensive on makes up. Great. We have another question from Mark. How do we get an increase in aerospace's budgets? This is a great question. Thanks, Mark. Uh, Mark, I really appreciate it. And you can see I have many of my aerospace colleagues on. We're actually presenting publicly. So this is uh, meant for the broader space policy audience and not just for uh, an internal aerospace audience. Um, aerospace, of course, is a development center tasked to provide the government necessary support. And in fact, one of our points is not to be pursuing greater budget uh, our point is to be a nonprofit whose mission is to support the government and what, what it needs. Great. We have another question from, it looks like, Janie. Are there pieces of the space budget being allocated specifically for emerging commercial new space companies? Great question. Thank you. There are a number of programs that have tried to support uh, uh, the, the emerging new space program. SMC would boast about their pitch day where they took one of the acquisition virtual uh, because of the current precautions keeping it from being done in person. The most important one that's been in, in an ongoing concern for more than 15 years now is such a controversial uh, topic right now, deciding who will make the cut. And that's always the danger as you try to be innovative and stay up with the, the uh, most 
government rules and who's being rewarded. And that's why launch right now is such a, 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 a important moment. So we have a lot more questions. We'll try to get through all of them, but we will time as well. Also, what is in the, hang on, it just rolled up, in the world of small and medium payloads? Absolutely. There's launch issues, including in the budget. Uh, both It's not just aerospace, but aerospace supporting the government customers, all of whom are pursuing efforts to do more of all types of payloads. That's one of the tensions that are in there with the SDA and the Space Force different visions of the mission. Almost all of SDA's uh, uh, are predicated on the idea proliferated low Earth orbit constellations are going to work. We've heard of these mega constellations, and now the DOD is putting significant money. Obviously, that will mean quite a bit for the launch area as we see yet another transition. Okay, we had a question from Ron. Can you say a few words about coordination of budgets and budget, excuse me, budget execution between SDA and Space Force? Uh, absolutely. And the main answer is we're, we haven't yet seen that. Uh, they are still currently separate organizations reporting up separate commands. Now, at the end of the day, it's the president's budget. And so I looked across uh, before it's submitted to Congress. And so it is supposed to include uh, both sides of it. Now, one of the nice things about the space budget increasing overall, sharp, uh, sharp trade-offs yet, and we get to pursue both programs. Uh, that will become ever more, uh, ever more really coordinated, especially as they become one single organization with SDA's eventual move underneath the Space Force. Okay, 